Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday evening. It is April the 9th. I've got to look at my watch. April the 9th, 2021. And here we go again. Off to the races. I thank you for joining me so we can play the increasingly frustrating game of catch-up, trying to catch up with all the lunacy that uh, we witnessed today. Uh, that passes for the evening news and increasingly passes for the new normal, but this will never be my idea, and I'm sure your idea, of what normal should look, smell, or taste like, but here we are. I hope you've all been having a good week. I hope you've all been staying well and staying safe. Spring is here in New York. The weather is beautiful, but the news, not so great. Uh, So where do we begin? Well, This evening, I want to focus, again, on the U.S.-Mexican border. And I want you to understand that the crisis at the border creates a crisis for all of America and all Americans. Please understand that my position is not anti-immigrant. That's what the news would have you believe. If you want to secure the borders, if you want to enforce the immigration laws, you're a terrible xenophobe. You're a vicious person, you're a hater, you're a nativist, you're a racist. I don't know. What are the adjectives that they're going to use to try to intimidate Americans from having an honest conversation? Certainly the uh, various tech companies don't want an honest conversation. I was just watching Fox uh, just before coming on my program today, and now YouTube apparently is removing any postings that they don't agree with about health issues. So you could bring in world-class experts, doctors, biochemists, epidemiologists. It doesn't matter. If anything they say does not coincide with what the Ministry of Truth at Google, because Google is the parent to YouTube, if you oppose the Ministry of Truth, they will simply take your material off of YouTube. This is censorship. It is anti-American. It is extremely dangerous. It's about controlling the masses by controlling the information that we have access to. And and I want you to understand just how important freedom of speech is. Freedom of speech is essential for freedom of thought. We think with words. We communicate with words. When we are unable to communicate, we lose our freedoms, period. Full stop. There's no equivocation here. If you are not free to express your thoughts, or if your thoughts are blocked so that other people cannot share them, then you no longer live in a free society. And, of course, the argument could be made that Facebook is not the only way we can communicate, or that YouTube is not the only way that we communicate, or that Twitter is not the only way that we communicate. But think of how much money is spent by various corporations during Super Bowl or other major athletic events when they know they're going to reach a large audience because they know if you reach a large audience, you could persuade them to buy certain products or attend certain events and on and on and on. Think of how much money is spent on advertising by everybody from the military looking to get people to to join the military, the corporations that want to sell you everything from breakfast cereal to detergent to cars. It's all about advertising. It's all about packaging the message. And when messages are blocked, thoughts are blocked, and the potential exists that the truth will be blocked. And I find it astonishing when we're told, follow the science. Follow the science. There's only one brand of science. And I will go back to an article that I wrote about of a front-page magazine about how we have science Nazis. There's only one brand of science, folks, and you either subscribe to it or you don't. We saw this during the Holocaust. Adolf Hitler and company uh, did everything they could to destroy the Jewish people and others, but the Jews got the brunt of it. And Albert Einstein, 
probably one of the smartest human beings to ever walk the face of planet Earth, was basically drummed out of Germany when he came up with certain scientific theories and the Nazi regime said, oh, no, no, this is Jewish science. This isn't real science. This is fake science. It's Jewish science. And the Nazis actually brought in two Nobel-winning physicists who themselves were Nazis, and they criticized Albert Einstein, and it led to riots. And Albert Einstein fled Germany for fear of his life because some of his friends were killed, they were in prison, they were beaten, because they were all practicing Jewish science. Well, what exactly was Einstein talking about that was labeled Jewish science? He wasn't part of some, you know, bizarre cult. What they found objectionable was his theories on relativity and space-time. Well, news bulletin. Today's technology has proven just about all of Einstein's theories to be 100% correct. But the Germans, you know, went after him and said, no, 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 this is fake. This isn't real. This is Jewish science. And so they censored him, and he came to the United States. Thankfully, he made it here, uh, and he was a part of the reason we were able to defeat the Nazis, uh, and, 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 and in those days, Japan. He was involved with the creation of nuclear weapons. So understand how dangerous this is. There isn't one brand of science. We've seen it before. We're seeing it again. So if you dare get up there and say, look, here's a guy who has a Ph.D. in epidemiology. He doesn't believe face masks work. Whammo. That YouTube video is, is off. The governor of Florida posted material about face masks and all this other stuff. been stripped off of YouTube. Can't say that. It's fake science. Fake science. Pretty soon we're going to find out that space-time and the theory of relativity is fake science. Science. This causes chills to run down my spine. How in the world you could have corporations blocking information, blocking free discussion, and, and, and where are our political leaders? Where is any action being taken to stop the censorship of Americans? Nowhere to be found. They'll run their mouths, they'll flap their lips in the breeze. But at the end of the day, the tech giants are getting ever more powerful, ever more influential, and making it ever more difficult to get the truth out there. Now, another reason you want the truth out there is to debunk people who are con artists. But if Facebook likes the con artist, I guess they'll be able to censor what you're going to hear. They did that when the New York Post wrote an article about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, taken down by Twitter. Of course, Dorsey afterwards said, oh, I made a mistake. He didn't make a mistake. He figured out he made a mistake after the election was over because many people said, gee whiz, if I had known about Hunter Biden, I never would have voted for Joe Biden. So the damage was done. So now, of course, he magnanimously says, oh, I made a mistake. Darn it. I wish I didn't make that mistake. Really? Can we get in a time machine and go back to the election and then say, gee whiz, you know, if you voted for Joe Biden and you didn't know about this information, that if it would have been critical, we'll let you take back your vote. Do you think that's about to happen? Of course not. This is a very dangerous situation. There's an obvious concerted effort underway to gain control of the masses. And how better than by controlling information and the ability to communicate? What Gutenberg did for mass communication, the printing press, and it was remarkable because at one point Zuckerberg, the egomaniacal wackaloon who runs Facebook, said that my invention was more meaningful to the human species than the Gutenberg uh, Bible or the Gutenberg printing press. So the people that wield the ability for mass communication are going to cut you off at the knees if you dare suggest something that they don't agree with. Wow. Wow. That is the kind of power that no organization has had in the history of our species. You know, we used to communicate by smoke signals and hieroglyphics, and, you know, it was a very laborious process for information to get from one place to the other. And then you wound up with mass communication. It started with the telegraph and then radio and then television and telephones. 
And now information flashes around the world literally at the speed of light. But only if the gatekeepers allow it to be transmitted. If not, SOL, out of luck. That's where we are today. That's why I do my program. Certainly this isn't something I make money doing. I, I actually pay for this, and I, and I don't run commercials. No one sponsors this. I am petrified about the course that our country is on. I'm terrified about where this will leave my children and my grandchildren just a couple of decades from now. We are going the wrong way on a one-way street, and I fear that we are picking up speed. And I know that there are other organizations that are going to put together their own social media, but here's the problem. The people who most need to hear it won't be hearing it. One of the things that infuriates me, and then I want to get into the story about the border, but I, I want you to understand this. Uh, I was on a radio program um, a few years ago, and I wrote for another organization that shall go nameless. They're out on the West Coast. And they freaked out because I was on a radio show, and it was all over the Internet within minutes. And this is when I was doing 20, 30, 40 television interviews a month. So if you said Mike Cutler, pretty much everyone knew who I was, and my issue was immigration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was on a radio show. And back then I was averaging, believe it or not, 20 to 30 radio interviews every month, 20 to 30 radio interviews plus TV interviews. I barely had time to grab a sandwich some days because I was determined to wake people up. It's remarkable that TV won't have these conversations anymore. And so I was on a program, and the host of the program was a member of the John Birch Society. Now, John Birch Society is not an illegal organization. It's not a terrorist organization. It's not banned. But yet the people I was writing for freaked out. I got a frantic phone call. Were you just on so-and-so's program? I said, yeah. Do you know he was a member of the John Birch Society? I said, nope. I know I disagreed with him a lot. What's the problem? And they said, would you have gone on the show if you knew he was John Birch? I said, absolutely I would have. Are you crazy? Do you want us to have you stop writing for us? I said, if that's the choice, I'll stop writing for you. It's very simple. No one's going to censor me. What is it that I said on the program that's terrible? Well, it's not what you said. It's the fact that you went on the program. And I was absolutely flabbergasted. I said, wait a minute. I went on a program that is hosted by a member of the John Birch Society. I've had dinner with people who are members of the John Birch Society. They're Americans. I'm American. I don't always agree with them. Frequently, I don't agree with them. That's the beauty of the First Amendment, freedom of speech. But maybe by sharing ideas, we come away with better understandings of a host of issues. Oh, my God. It doesn't matter whether you said anything right or wrong. It's that you were on the program. And I came very close at that point to telling them to pack it all in, and I wouldn't bother writing for them anymore. And they pulled back, and they said, well, you know, a lot of people read your articles. I said, well, you can't have it both ways. You're not going to censor me. No one's ever going to censor me. What was it that I said on this program that you find objectionable? That's the question I want an answer to. Well, actually, we don't even know what you said. Well, they posted a recording, and they listened to the recording. They said, wow, you know, you were right on all these issues. I said, yes, maybe the people that I disagreed with got to hear a different perspective, and maybe I persuaded some people that they were looking at things from the wrong angle. Maybe not. But that's the whole point. That's the beauty. That's the importance of freedom of speech, that you get to hear a variety of viewpoints, and then you decide what you like best. I was going to teach debate on the college level. Lots of luck having a debate today. This is only one viewpoint. What's to argue? What's to debate? You're either right or you're wrong. I mean, are we almost there yet, folks? Are we almost there? I have spoken on college campuses, and for the first five minutes, the kids were screaming at me. Oh, my God, bigot, racist, whatever. And then I started to explain who I am and why I have the position and what immigration is really about. And just about every time I've been on a college campus, the kids that started screaming at me within no more than 10 minutes, sometimes five minutes, started to scream with me. And they said, boy, this guy Cutler is right. So what have the campuses done? They said, well, we can't allow open debate. People like Cutler are going to come on the campus and convince these students that we're trying to brainwash, that we're brainwashing them. And then what do we do? 
But then what are we going to do with all that money from China and all these other countries that are pumping billions of dollars into the educational system to turn American schools into indoctrination centers? So they shut down debate. They shut down debate. Can't have freedom of speech. Can't have an alternative viewpoint. There's only one viewpoint, and it has to be sanctioned by the Ministry of Truth or else. So now we come to the story about the border today. When I was an agent, when I worked for good old Uncle Sam, we used to talk about the mushroom treatment. I don't know if you folks are familiar with the mushroom treatment. It has nothing to do with a visit to the local greengrocer. You grow mushrooms by keeping them in the dark and, and filling them up with fertilizer, the mushroom treatment. And so for all the screaming that we've heard about Donald Trump, and I didn't always agree with Donald Trump, I thought he could have done much better. I didn't much care for many of the things that he did. I wasn't happy with what he did with Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions was the first senator to support his campaign. And when Jeff Sessions didn't serve his purpose, he fired him, which is fine. You're the president. You're welcome to fire anybody you want. You hire, you fire. You're the chief executive. You're it. You're the honcho. The buck stops here. Harry Truman had that placard right on his desk at the Oval Office. But there was no reason to eviscerate Jeff Sessions. He eviscerated him because Jeff Sessions was stymied when he tried to go after Hillary and all that other business. And lo and behold, the Russian collusion thing evaporated because Jeff Sessions was ordered to recuse himself on all things Russian. And Trump got frustrated and fired Jeff and then went out there and publicly eviscerated him. Didn't like that one iota. You want to fire the guy, you fire the guy. You're disappointed, you fire him. Cool. Why would you go out there and beat the snot out of him so that Jeff Sessions could not win his old Senate seat back? Jeff Sessions was a gift to the Senate, in my view. He had created the Immigration Subcommittee on the National Interest or the Public Interest. I forgot the exact title of the subcommittee. And the position that he took on immigration would have been the position you would have expected the Democrats in the 50s or early 60s to have taken. We need to enforce immigration laws to protect American lives and the jobs and wages of American workers. People say, why are you a Democrat? Because the Democrats used to be for the American worker. Now, the Republicans are, are switching, and, and they're trying to now court the American worker, but they still want comprehensive reform. They, they still want free trade. Look, we need a sovereign country, and that was the one thing that Donald Trump gave us tried to give us that I agreed with 101%. We have door locks and peepholes and doorbells on our front door so that a stranger seeking to come in has to notify you that they're there. And you get to look through the peephole, and you have the ultimate discretion to say yay or nay. Come on in. Great to see you. Well, sorry, I gave it the office. Keep walking. We have that right. Countries have the same right, and that's what sovereignty is all about. Think about that. And that was what Donald Trump pushed. He said, let's not hire foreign workers when we have Americans who need the jobs. I agree with it. I agree with that completely. So Donald Trump scared the hell out of the globalists in both political parties. Why do you think the Republicans wouldn't fund the border wall? Because they didn't want the border wall. And look at the lies that we were told about the border wall. That wall is a wall of hate. It's designed to keep people out of the country. No. The wall is not designed to keep anybody out of the country. It doesn't block ports of entry. It just funnels all traffic through ports of entry so that people and cargo can be screened and a record of their entry created. <clears throat> it's about protecting us from contraband, criminals, terrorists, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, and so forth. That's why there's a border wall. And now the rumor is that Biden may have to finish the wall. God knows what he's going to finish. The man wouldn't know the truth if it jumped up and kicked him in the groin. Remember the nonsense we heard about the cages and the children who came to America under Trump? The cages were built during the Obama administration. <clears throat> during the Obama administration, information was being blocked as to how many immigration agents they had. Why? Well, we don't want the bad guys to know how many immigration agents are out there. That's national security. Well, wait a minute. If you think it's national security that there are bad guys trying to come to America, then you've just made the case that we need more agents, but they didn't want us to have more agents. Neither did the Republicans, by the way. When was the last time you heard a Republican jump up and say, we need to hire more ICE agents? 
You're not going to hear that. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And we hear all this talk about catch and release, catch and release. Oh, my God, we have catch and release. What are we going to do? And they run around like the, like the Marx Brothers. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that as an immigration agent, we had catch and release every day of the week that I worked as an immigration agent in New York. You've never heard about interior enforcement. No one's ever said to you, what do they do with aliens they find in New York City or Chicago or, or, or you know, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina or Los Angeles? I mean, now forget it. Biden has ordered a moratorium on arrests and deportations. We have a free-for-all in just seeing what's happening. So the point of the matter is you can't gain control of the border if you don't have control of the interior. Think about that statement. I, I work with the Speakers Bureau in Washington, D.C. I had the privilege this week of driving down to the Capitol Hill Club and address an audience of Air Force senior personnel, including generals and colonels and senior civil servants who were with the U.S. Air Force. Always a privilege to be able to do that. The only difference is because of COVID, they weren't in the room with me. We did this by, uh, tele, by television. There was closed-circuit TV, and there were videographers in this beautiful room with me at the Capitol Hill Club, which is right across from the House office buildings where I've testified. But I, I made the point, someone said to me, what are the three most important things that we could do if we wanted to really get immigration working the way it's supposed to work. I said three things, huh? Well, if you know anything about real estate, they say the three most important things about real estate are location, location, location. The three most important things about immigration is interior, 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 all about interior enforcement. Let's face it. We have catch and release on the border. What does catch and release mean? The Border Patrol arrests these people. They don't make them disappear. They give them a piece of paper, and they say, Vaya con Dios, go with God, have a nice day. And we're not just talking about people from Latin America, we're talking about people from all over the world. And it turned out that Customs and Border Protection announced, very proud, and, and they should be happy, we grabbed these two guys from Yemen, they're on the terror watch list, and we stopped them because we're protecting America. And it took two or three days, the Biden administration said, no, 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 you've got to take that off the, off the CBP website. We can't have that on the Customs and Border Protection website. You're violating national security. How are they violating national security? Baloney. They don't want the American people to have it in their minds that an open border allows terrorists to come into the United States of America. So they took the names off. They took the photographs off. And they threatened people. If you communicate that information, you're violating national security and you could be punished. We're living in a totalitarian country, folks, being ruled by liars. Well, let's be clear what we're dealing with. The Border Patrol put the pictures out. The Border Patrol put the names out there. This went on for a couple of days. Are they going to fire anybody? I don't think so. Are they going to prosecute anybody? No. But God forbid, don't you dare. If you, if you jotted it down or you copied that stuff, don't, you dis, don't, don't put it out there because you're, you're endangering national security. Here's the secret. We have daily people from countries that sponsor terrorism pouring into the United States and not just across the Mexican border. They are stowing away on ships. I guarantee you they're coming across the Canadian border, and they are certainly landing at airports and being admitted with visas or making claims to political asylum because this is America, the country that doesn't have four border states but 50 border states. But in any event, this is the situation we have. I was at that event, and one of the folks in the audience, you know, through the chat room being run by the moderator of the event, said, what's the three most important issues? It's interior enforcement times three. If you're having catch and release on the border and these people come to the interior of the United States, how do you plan to find them? Well, we don't. That's not a possibility. We don't know who they are. And the idea that they caught people whose names are on the watch list, so many people are terrorists and names aren't on the watch list or they're using false names. There was a story shortly after 9-11, and, and I have to tell you about it because as I've been going through all this, it brought, I had a flashback. You know, I've been before a whole bunch of congressional hearings in the House and Senate. And a couple of years after 9-11, I'm going to guess it was around 90, uh, sorry, around 2003, maybe 2004, uh, it was about the resources for immigration. And by the way, in 2005, when they had a hearing, 
It was Sheila Jackson Lee who complained bitterly about George W. Bush. He said, we gave Bush all this money to hire all these agents and, and to acquire bed space, detention facilities, and he's not spending the money. He's challenging us, and we need to tell him, spend the money we gave you because we need the agents. We need to arrest people who shouldn't be here. We need to be able to detain them. This is Sheila Jackson Lee. I testified to Jackson Lee at two hearings. She was right on the money. She was right there on that issue. Wham. No ambiguity. We need to arrest these people. We need to detain them. We shouldn't be releasing them. They gave Bush enough money to, to buy 8,000 beds, detention beds, and he only purchased something on the order of 1,900, I believe the number was. They gave him enough money to hire 800 ICE agents. He only hired 143. They gave him enough money to hire 2,000 Border Patrol agents. He only hired 210. And Sheila Jackson Lee took him to task at that hearing. It's public record. She just went after him, as she should have. Bush was a globalist, and what he did, I think, was actually impeachable. The Homeland Security Act was legislation that led to the creation of the Department of Homeland Security. And the whole issue was enforce immigration laws because it was crystal clear to everybody that 9-11 was only possible because of multiple failures of the immigration system. And instead, you cut immigration in half, customs and border protection, separate from immigration, I'm sorry, it was Customs and Border Protection and ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, were separated. They weren't supposed to be separated. They were supposed to be under one roof, one agency. He cut them in half, and then he folded in Customs and Agriculture and TSA and Secret Service and ATF, and then he put people in charge who had zero immigration background, and it was obvious that he was doing it to make certain we would not secure the borders and enforce the law. And John Hosta, I've spoken about this with other uh, podcast. Host Stetler was a Republican conservative chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee. And he said that what the Bush administration, he didn't use the word Bush, he said the administration, but Bush was in the Oval Office at that point uh, doing his best Alfred E. Newman impersonation. And he said what he gave us is immigration um, ambiguity, I believe was the term that he used. So the idea was we cannot secure the border, we cannot enforce the laws, and therefore we're unable to protect the American people. John Hostetler said that, that Bush undermined the immigration mission. And this was right after 9-11. These aren't left-right issues, folks. This nonsense, Democrat, Republican, no. The majority of the members of Congress, the majority of the politicians want open borders. They know where their money comes from. The people that bribe them, people like the Chamber of Commerce, the American Immigration Lawyers Association. They want cheap labor and an unlimited supply of clients. That's what they want. That's what they want. And so you have terrorists coming into the United States. And Biden said, we better not let the American people think about that. So they had to take the names off. But ABC News, NBC News still had articles up as of a couple days ago. Let me read one of the article headlines to you. Um, well, actually, let me read the Fox News article because this is what's really amazing to me. This was published April the 6th, three days ago, Fox News reporting. CBP, Customs and Border Protection, deletes press release outlining arrest of Yemeni border crosses on terror watch list. A number of migrants matching names on the terror watch list have been encountered at the border. No kidding. And the article goes on and says Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, has deleted a press release detailing the arrest of two Yemeni illegal immigrants who were identified on a terror watch list, leading to Republicans accusing the Biden administration of a lack of transparency. A lack of transparency? Defrauding the American people out of their safety, folks. CBP announced on Monday the two Yemeni men had been apprehended and had been identified on a terror watch list in El Centro section in California in the last two months. The first arrest January involved a 33-year-old illegal Yemeni who was on both the FBI's terrorism watch list and a no-fly list. The second occurred last week in the same sector. The 26-year-old was also on both lists. The first was handed over to Immigration and Customs Enforcement while the second was being held in federal custody. And then it goes on and says part of the Border Patrol's mission states that we will protect the, custody, the country from terrorists and Chief Patrol Agent Gregory Bovino in the now-deleted press release. Today, like every other day, our agents did that. 
these apprehensions that our border illustrates the importance of our mission and that we can never stop being vigilant in our everyday mission to protect this great country. But meanwhile, more than half the Border Patrol agents aren't on the border trying to keep terrorists and criminals out of the country. They're changing diapers and, and caring for children. And by the way, among the children, some of the older ones might be members of violent gangs like MS-13, because that happened under the, under the Obama administration with the Unaccompanied Minors Program. We wound up with thousands of members of MS-13 flooding into the United States. Border security is national security. But here's the problem. These people are all ultimately going to make their way to the interior of the United States. And when aliens fail to depart when they're supposed to, when they're admitted through ports of entry, or if they work when they're not supposed to, or they don't attend the school they were admitted to attend, or whatever, the Border Patrol doesn't do anything about that. If the Border Patrol had sealed off the Mexican border, every one of the 19 hijackers from the 9-11 attacks would have gotten into the United States. It's a lot more than the Mexican border. But we keep focusing on the Mexican border, and we're ignoring what really needs to be done. And why are we ignoring it? Well, it's pretty obvious. ICE agents, and I was with the INS, basically I did the same work as the ICE agents, but without the additional encumbrances of of all the other laws that now ICE has to enforce, which means more distraction, you know, money laundering, intellectual property rights, kitty porn, all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with immigration. By the way, any degenerate who could produce kitty porn should be spending a, a good chunk of time in a cage. But the police can do that, the postal inspectors can do that, the FBI can do that, state police can do that. Immigration is a unique responsibility of the federal government. We shouldn't be distracting the federal government from a critical mission. You know, when I was in front of those Air Force generals and colonels this past week, I made the point <clears throat> that the common shared mission of all of our branches of the military, now there are six, Space Force, all six branches have a common mission to keep the enemies of America as far away from us as possible. But up close and in person, that vital mission then is transferred to the Border Patrol and ICE. Think about that. So instead of securing the border, we've got Border Patrol agents providing concierge service, and we're sending people to the interior, and when the day comes they don't show up, who's going to look for them? Nobody. If they want to commit fraud, which we identified as a key method of entry and abetting to the terrorists, who's going to conduct the fraud investigations? Nobody. And they say that it's the prospect of a job that draws the majority of illegal aliens across the border. So how many agents do we have to go after employers who hire illegal aliens? I don't know, about six. I mean, seriously. Who's going to look to go after the criminal aliens when they're arrested by the police? And sanctuary cities, of course, undermine the entire interior enforcement mission on top of that. So what do we do with that? Nothing. How in the world do you defend the country when this is what we're dealing with? Um, I, I want to read a couple of things to you, and I want you to understand just how critical interior enforcement is. I'm perhaps more familiar with this than anybody you're going to see because most of the people on television, uh, even the people that were there recently, Tom Holman is, is a great guy. I've met Tom a number of times. I have tremendous respect for him. The job I did back in 1975 when I became a special agent was so watered down by the time that Tom came on the job, it wasn't even the same job anymore. The institutional memories that I have would blow everybody away. They would faint. Our job was to find illegal aliens. And if the cops pulled over a guy to speeding and he turned out he was a drunk driver and they arrested the driver and they looked in the back of the car and there's eight guys crammed into a little car, they'd call us up. And I had friends in many of the precincts. They'd say, hey, Mike, this is Charlie over in the 71st Precinct. You know what? We just pulled this guy over for drunk driving. His car was all banged up. We're trying to figure out if he had an accident somewhere along the way. But he had about six of his best friends in the back seat all jammed in there like a sardine can. We're holding them. Do you want them? And I would, you know, grab a van or have a couple of my buddies accompany me. We'd go down to the precinct. And we would scoop up the people that were here illegally, 
and we would put them before an immigration judge within 24 hours, and by the end of the week they were back in their home country, whether it was Mexico or Portugal or England or, or Kingston, Jamaica. It didn't much matter. And that was the end of the story. Common sense. You don't belong here. See ya. If you misbehave in a bar, the bouncer doesn't have to get a warrant before he can move you out of the bar for setting the bar. He, he deposits you at the curb, or if they call the cops, they come and they arrest you for whatever. When people come to America, they don't have an inherent right to stay here unless they come as immigrants. And even if they come as immigrants, if they commit crimes and they're convicted of the crimes, we can deport them. And why not? Why not? We spend billions of dollars on our embassies and consulates, and one of their important missions is, is to administer the visa requirement, which the 9-11 Commission said was critical to national security. You don't need a visa to come to America. You need a kid right now. How many of those kids were kidnapped or rented out by parents who didn't care about their children but cared about money? Not everybody is a loving parent. Being naive about all this, I feel terrible about those children. I feel terrible about the grinding poverty that they're trying to flee in all these various countries of the world. But we can't solve world hunger by importing 3 billion people to the United States. If you throw a party, you know how big your budget is and how big the dining room table is, and that determines how many people you invite to a birthday party. If you have seating for 10 people, you don't invite 80 people to your house for a birthday party or Thanksgiving dinner or Easter dinner. America is oversubscribed, especially in, this, uh, in the middle of this pandemic. So everything that Biden is doing makes absolutely no sense unless you want to crash the economy. And I'll go back and make the point that I, t I was told took the breath away from some of these folks at this conference this week in Washington. The Biden amnesty is supposed to involve 11 million aliens, just like the Reagan amnesty was supposed to involve a million aliens. Well, the Reagan amnesty wound up providing lawful status to more than three and a half million but the real number is the number that the media doesn't want you to have and the government doesn't want you to have. Because that disaster that Reagan foisted on us, I was not a big Reagan fan, I'm going to be honest, and you might be, and that's fine. We're Americans. We can disagree. Uh, you know, I thought he was a personable guy. But his immigration policies were a disaster. Because forget the three and a half million. Here's the real question. How many children and spouses did the three and a half million bring to America? For all we know, the Reagan amnesty gave us 20 million immigrants. So now Biden is talking 11 million. Yale University and other schools claim that there's at least 22 million illegals here. I would argue we probably have over 30 million, maybe even more. And people could come and claim they've been here forever. But there's no ability to interview these people. There's no ability to conduct any kind of a field investigation for more than, than a couple. It's just not doable. So all that these folks are going to have to do is answer the questions the right way. When did you first enter the United States? And let's say they say the cutoff is January of this year. Everyone will have come in in, 19, in 2019 or 2018, I promise you. And how hard would it be to buy you know, rent receipts or, or come up with other bogus documents? Because we saw that. The Reagan amnesty created a cottage industry of document vendors, fake document vendors, which the 9-11 Commission warned about. By the way, and I'll read that to you. So I'm being an optimist. Let's say the, that if, God forbid, we are corrupt and stupid enough to create the amnesty that Biden and all the other politicians are salivating over, and let's say 25 million aliens participate, and let's be optimistic and say they only have four kids on average, and unless they do DNA testing, you're going to have people claiming 12 kids, especially if they're getting a couple thousand dollars a person. Think about that. Okay. But let's say four, because it's a round number. What's four times 25 million? 25 million is 100 million. And, and I saw where I wrote about this in an article, and someone said, they don't have 25 million kids in Mexico. Well, no, they don't. But again, it's not just Mexico. We have people coming from Yemen. We have people coming from every continent. They're coming through Latin America, and they're coming into the United States. And I promise you, that they could find well over 100 million kids from all over the world to come to America as the children of the legalized 
um, aliens that they want to provide amnesty to. What in the world would that do to America if we suddenly had an influx of 100 million or 150 million or 183 million or 210 million? Overnight, America would look like Venezuela. By the way, there's a huge immigration crisis in Venezuela. Venezuelans are fleeing from Venezuela trying to sneak into Colombia right now. That's our fate if we allow Biden and the rest of these characters to get away with what they're trying to do to us. But let me read to you a section from the executive summary of the final 9-11 Commission report. And here's an excerpt. Permeable borders and immigration controls. This was in the final summary of the official 9-11 report. The 9-11 report was created so that we don't get attacked again. And we all know that Nancy's a big fan of the 9-11 Commission report because she said we need to copy it to figure out what happened on January 6th of this year. Let's look at the 9-11 Commission report. Okay, so let's look at it. Here we are. Maybe we should send her a copy of it. So here's a section, permeable borders and immigration controls. There were opportunities for intelligence and law enforcement to exploit al-Qaeda's travel vulnerabilities. Considered collectively, the 9-11 hijackers included known al-Qaeda operatives who could have been watchlisted, presented passports manipulated in a fraudulent manner, presented passports with suspicious indicators of extremism, made detectable false statements on visa applications, made false statements to border officials to gain entry into the United States, and violated immigration laws within the, while in the United States. However, neither the State Department's counselor offices nor immigration and naturalization service inspectors and agents were ever considered full partners in a national counterterrorism effort. Protecting borders was not a national security issue before 9-11. Well, is it now with Biden in the White House, ladies and gentlemen? Do you see the point? My goodness. And then... Let's go to the official report, 9-11 and terrorist travel. Again, this is written by the attorneys and federal agents who were assigned to the 9-11 Commission. And by the way, you know I provided testimony to that commission. So here's the very first paragraph of the preface to the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. That report focused on how aliens were able to move around the world and subsequently enter the United States. Critical issue. How the hell did they get here? So here's what it says. Very first. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, for reasons we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. So they talk about visas. On 9-11, we had 26 visa waiver countries. You would have thought they would have ended that stupid program. Another gift from Ronald Reagan and company, by the way. Instead, it was expanded. President Trump made Poland number 39. There were 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11, and today there were 39 visa waiver countries. Well, takes my breath away. But let's continue, because there's more. More bad news, uh, actually more ways of informing you of what needs to be done, and you need to share this with everyone you know. It blows my mind. Um, okay, the World Trade Center bombing, February 1993. Three of the terrorists who were involved in the first World Trade Center bombing reportedly traveled on Saudi passports containing an indicator of possible terrorist affiliation. Three of the 9-11 hijackers also had passports containing the same possible indicator. Uh, and in addition, Ramsey Yusuf, the mastermind of the attack, and Ahmed Ajaj, who was able to direct aspects of the attack despite being in prison for using an altered passport, traveled under aliases using fraudulent documents. The two of them were found to possess five passports as well as numerous documents supporting their aliases. A Saudi passport showing signs of alteration, an Iraqi passport bought from a Pakistani official, a photo-substituted Swedish passport, and a photo-substituted British passport, a Jordanian passport, identification cards, bank records, education records, and medical records. The linchpin that holds immigration together are documents, and I made that point at a congressional hearing about the resources we need for effective immigration enforcement. The Border Patrol is not involved with this. ICE is. ICE is. 
and we don't have ICE agents. And the ICE agents we do have been told to stand down by Biden. And then, next statement from this report, once terrorists had entered the United States, the next step was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. What did I just say? For example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Big committee aliens are applying for asylum. They're not entitled to it. They're not political refugees. They might be economic refugees, but that's a cause of a very different color. But by jamming up the system with, with potentially millions of applications, there's no way to spend the time and effort to figure out who's committing fraud. And again, what did they just say? Immigration fraud was the issue. Mohammed Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker, Workers Program, or SAW, after falsely claiming he picked beans in Florida. Mahmoud Salome, who rented the truck using the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He was an illegal alien able to rent a truck. And we're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens who might well be terrorists. We don't know who the hell they are. Okay? He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. He had Mahmoud Ishmael, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. And after he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. So the guy that drove the truck with the bomb into the garage of the Trade Center was an illegal alien. And we're giving illegal aliens driver's licenses. Thank you, Mr. Cuomo. The governors of a bunch of states, New Jersey, California, Illinois. Immigration, we don't care about immigration. No big deal here. Nothing to see here. Now, I want you to think about page 61 of that report. Exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. Did you hear what I just said? exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. Who is bringing the aliens into the country right now, folks? Terror smuggling operations. The gangs are doing it, and the gangs are working with Hezbollah and other terrorist organizations, and I'm going to prove that to you momentarily. So page 61 says this. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there is evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, God only knows what countries they might be including there, corrupt government officials. Hmm. Okay. With their global reach and connection to fraud document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have, quote, the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. And then we get to this on page 98, immigration benefits. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans had to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum. There we go again, folks, applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. The aliens being encountered by the Border Patrol are being told to show up years from now or not even being given dates when they need to go to immigration court. They are here. They are next door to you. They are across the street from you and they're in the car that's next to you on the highway. Interior enforcement, ladies and gentlemen, okay? For an immigration benefit, uh, bear with me. In many cases, the exercise for immigration benefits suffice to remit the aliens remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists, terrorists, were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contact in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Is there any ambiguity to what I have just read to you? And Biden is out there refusing to tell the American people what he's doing to protect us. George W. Bush nuked immigration law enforcement, eviscerated it. Both parties have done this to us. Ronald Reagan... Uh, and by the way, in the 80s, we already knew about the threat of terrorism because we had a bunch of American airliners hijacked back in the 70s by the PLO. People were killed. Airplanes were blown up. A Navy sailor was killed by terrorists. 
But the push for globalism to placate the people that are bribing them was so strong that they hoped nobody would notice. And what the hell, if we have another terrorist attack, it'll just give these you know, control freaks more justification to eliminate more civil rights in the United States. They want to play Simon Says, but with consequences. And they're doing it to us quite well, aren't they? Simon Says with consequences. By the way, Bin Laden understood this. Because uh, there was an article published by the New York Times, May 20th, 2015, in Osama Bin Laden's library, Illuminati and Bob Woodward, reported on what American commandos discovered when they raided Bin Laden's compound on May 2nd, 2011. And here's a significant paragraph. He, that is, Bin Laden, he also appeared to have maintained a keen interest in what the United States government thought of al-Qaeda. A copy of the 9-11 Commission report was found in the compound in uh, Abbottabad, as were three reports on al-Qaeda by the Congressional Research Service. There was also an application for American citizenship. No word on whether it was filled out. So he understood that citizenship provides his operatives, or provided his operatives, with the keys to the kingdom. Think about that. Then the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel detailed numerous examples of instances where terrorists made use of visa and immigration benefit fraud, including political asylum fraud, to enter and embed themselves in the U.S. Under the title 3.2 Terrorist Travel Tactics by Plot, um, here's an interesting excerpt that I want to read to you. This, again, from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Although there's evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. Again, that doesn't mean they're not coming in by running the border, especially now where it's a free-for-all and you have humanity flowing across the border like uh, water cascading down Niagara Falls. Lots of luck trying to pick out molecules of water at Niagara Falls, okay? So... Although there's evidence of some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. In so doing, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases, and on government corruption. There we go again, corrupt governments. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s, once in the United States, terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status. That's why they apply for asylum. That's why they engage in marriage fraud you see, get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, once again, political asylum, and by marrying Americans. Many of these tactics have remained largely unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attack. Now, here's the paragraph I want you to pay attention to. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement Lack of interior immigration enforcement, are we there yet? We're unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. It would remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. Interior enforcement, that's the key. But the problem with interior enforcement for the crooked politicians, forgive the redundancy, is that immigration agents don't only arrest illegal aliens, they arrest crooked lawyers. They are correct, they they can prosecute and fine and so forth, crooked employers. And they go after the human traffickers, but after all, as I noted in in an article that I wrote for the American Conservative, uh, has amped up the immigration delivery system. Well, who's the delivery system? It's the human traffickers the best friend that the crooked politicians ever had. They want those aliens here no matter what, and it doesn't matter how many people die because they have bigger fish to fry, don't they? Unbelievable. But now I want to get to another point. And on April 17, 2018, the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee conducted a hearing on the topic State sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorism network. Think of how we're at loggerheads with Iran and they're racing to get nuclear weapons right now. So part of the testimony of that hearing was provided by a gentleman by the name of Dr. Emmanuel Ortolenge of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracy, and nobody at the hearing disagreed. Sometimes it gets contentious. I've had arguments at hearings. 
oh, you're wrong, Mr. Cutler. Yes, I'm right. You know, and you go back to the, everyone agreed with Odalenge's assessment. This is the stuff that keeps me staring at my ceiling at 4 o'clock in the morning. Let me read this to you. The first paragraph is disturbing. The second paragraph, forget about sleeping. In recent years, again, these are the words of Dr. Emmanuel Otolenge of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies at a hearing that was looking at Iran's global terrorism network. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Here we go again. Crooked politicians. Boy, this seems to be a global epidemic, doesn't it? And we certainly suffer from it in this country, I can tell you that. With the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. And now, folks, we come to the really disturbing paragraph. Toxic crime terror nexus. And again, he's referencing Hezbollah working with the violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates. That's the the crime terror nexus, right? This toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America. You think Hezbollah, you think Middle East. Well, this toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. Look at that southern border, okay? It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America, thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. My goodness gracious, what more do you need to know? And now Joe Biden is telling Customs and Border Protection to not post the names of these two individuals that are from Yemen and who show up on terror and no-fly watch lists because we, <laughs> the, the, the answer is simple. He does not want Americans considering the fact that what he is doing is leaving us vulnerable to terrorism. What president, what human being, what decent person could be taking actions that threaten come into the United States and kill a lot of people, and yet everything that he is doing runs contrary to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. Why is nobody in the media even asking it? Again, I made the point that I wasn't particularly enamored with how President Trump did things. I, I liked some of his objectives. But one damn question that he should have asked Biden instead of, can you say law enforcement, Joe, how about Hey, Joe, have you read the 9-11 Commission report? And how does your plans for amnesty and the actions of sanctuary cities, how do all of those square with what the 9-11 Commission warned us about? Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, all these characters should be getting the MVP award from ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the drug cartels, Iran, and China. It's a serious issue. Please check out my articles and please share the information with as many of your friends and neighbors as you can. We need to create a bucket brigade of truth to counter the lies and the propaganda between Facebook, Twitter, um, now YouTube, and this administration, which refuses to be honest. We're in deep trouble, and only we the people can straighten it out by making demands on our elected representatives to make certain that for once and for all, They actually represent we the people. Remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again right here at the Michael Cutler Hour. Meanwhile, please check out my articles at Front Page Magazine and and The American Conservative. Thank you so much.